Well, I'm down here in the southwestern corner of Arizona, Quartzsite, with all the other crazy people. And it's great because all winter down in this uh, southwestern corner of Arizona, every day is like a beautiful mid to late day up north. That perfect day in October when you think, maybe winter won't come this year. You know, maybe it'll just be like this all winter. And yet here we are in the space between the harvest celebrations and the celebration of the return of the light during the longest dark days of the year in the Northern Hemisphere on December 21st and 22nd. And when you're up north, that's when winter actually comes. Uh, It's very interesting to me that in in, uh, late October, early November, when we get that first spate of snow, and then now I know people up north are getting a little bit more snow. It's winter. We call that winter. Oh, no, it's still fall. Winter uh, is when it gets really cold, and that deep bone-chilling cold comes in. So during these dark days, it's hard to believe the light will return is about to return. And we're going to talk about that in podcast 1080, The Bob Davis Podcasts. Got a visit from Greg Ryan of Ryan Plumbing and Heating out here in the desert this weekend. It was great. Uh, Great way to spend uh, the post-Thanksgiving weekend. And so we want to welcome back Ryan Plumbing and Heating of St. Paul to The Bob Davis Podcasts. So they've been in St. Paul right on that corner for 70 years. So 70 years is a long time for any business to function, but especially plumbing. And why? Because when you have plumbing or heating problems, air conditioning problems, Ryan Plumbing and Heating is the place to get reliable service. And if you're in St. Paul or Minneapolis, you can call in St. Paul, 651-224-4771. In Minneapolis, 612-927-6488. Online at ryanplumbing.com or click on the banner at the top of the page, of the Bob Davis podcast.com quality replacement and repair of all plumbing, heating and air conditioning systems, residential and business. They do a lot of business stuff, but they also do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, residential stuff. So I can come up with a million things, uh, you know, examples. The biggest problem in St. Paul is people have toilets and plumbing that date back a hundred years, right? And a lot of times if you can replace, especially toilets, because toilets run, you know, especially really low efficiency systems with new and highly efficient systems, you will save money on water over the long run. Don't forget Ryan Plumbing and Heating in St. Paul, 651-224-4771 in Minneapolis, 612-927-6488. Check them out at ryanplumbing.com or click on the banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. Out here in the desert, you know, when I first got here, uh, I was uh, I was very, uh, you know, sort of the whole Old West thing, which for me was, you know, and for, for the United States, the Old West was like the, the 1870s through, you know, even up to 1920. But there's an, there's an even older West, which I'll talk about a little bit in this podcast. You look at these mountains, which are ageless, and... You return to thinking uh, every now and then about humanity. The people that were here had been here since long before anyone even knew this was here. So I am struck often to realize how old the human race is. 
and how many eons there have been of community and tribe and clan and myths and legend, then the survival of uh, family, clan, tribe, community, region, uh, and nation. And all of those groups of people had celebrations and rituals, most of the time based on the movement of the stars and the moon. And uh, over time, this also served, among other things, language and, and written word and, and so forth, to create the development of culture on every corner of the planet. Even here, as I said, it's not about the Old West, because as soon as you start looking into the history of the West, you start finding out about the Spanish and Indians back uh, 400 years at least, and thousands of years before that, there were uh, there were people before what we now today call the Native Americans who were also immigrants to this region. There were others before them. Those others leave little evidence. People out here are well aware that they exist because we have the petroglyphs, where uh, you know they're, they're all over different parts of the West where you can go and look at these ancient drawings, which are very uh, faded and we don't even know what they meant or what they were for. You also find bits of stone, even out here. And they often find skeletons and, uh, you know, little bits of pottery and so forth. If you go into Europe or Asia, across the world, there are stone walls and sunken treasures and cities going back before the Romans and the Greeks. Eons. I mean, eons to the point where Stonehenge looks new. So, the truth is one constant in the long trend of humanity. And, and uh, that one long constant, you know, is the movement of the moon, stars, and sun, and in the really the present time frame over the last God knows how many years, 100 million or 100 uh, or, you know, 10,000 or 20,000 or 100,000, the tilt of the earth. And this is what creates the seasons. Now, getting back to the beginning of the podcast, sometimes great calamities happen, and they will again. And when they happen, whether it's a flood or an earthquake or a rending or something, those will be stories that become part of some future clan's lore. Stories passed down, become words, songs, eventually with technology, movies, love and happiness, war and strife, down to individuals and those who tell the stories. We have old Irish stories. We have old English stories. We have uh, old Indian stories. We have old uh, songs and, uh, and the stories that go with them in Central Europe and um, you know all through the East and West and all around the globe. Some of those stories have sort of coalesced to be religions or social structures, things of that nature. We have different people, different languages, different customs, different rules through history, different social structures, but we stand on their shoulders today. And it's a, a really, a, I think, an unconscious experience these celebrations uh, you know, trigger in us. But they have long moorings going back thousands of years. And, and I think 
this is why uh, we feel these special so-called holidays, which we've attached religious import to, uh, are, are something that we feel so deeply. It's muscle memory. It's DNA. I, I think we all have mothers who really loved Christmas. My mother just loved Christmas. Um because it, it, it really appeals, especially with, with uh, people who live in, in rural America or rural parts of the world, it triggers this, this connection to the earth and the stars and uh, to babies and to <laughs> offspring. And again, growing families, clans, tribes, communities. This is what we do. Now, one of the things I think is interesting is that today we seize on an idea and it permeates. It sinks deeper and deeper into our psyche today because of a very robust and, uh, and uh, you know, significant communication system built on, again, an imaginary concept, wide highways of bandwidth. And that inculcates ideas throughout the world and, uh, and concepts and creates concepts in all of us from childhood if we have grown up in an electronic age which most of the people alive today have but when I go out and sit in front of the fire now that's just a basic thing you know that economic podcast or other podcasts I've done just sitting in front of the fire I have a fire every night I don't care what it costs you know I don't care if three boxes of wood or 30 bucks or whatever I, I have a fire every night because I want to experience that connection with my ancestors because when you look up and you're sitting at the fire and you look up especially after it burns down a ways and it's just the red coals you look up and you're looking at the same stars with the new names that we know the ancient names the characters of mythology and so forth that ancestors looked up at and had their, their own names you know or didn't even know they just marveled at them and of course they didn't have electricity so they might have had the light of the fire or maybe not at all they just looked up and they were part of this uh this experience moonlight eclipses you know and various celebrations at very various times of the year that somehow people who might know more a little than others uh, uh figured out how to plan for but it's the same moon even though we've been there now same oceans, same mountains, swamps, beaches, forests, lakes. Although, not always the same. Maybe the swamp was in a different spot or there wasn't a forest there 10,000 years ago. But basically, it's the same earth with the same kinds of plants and the same experiences and the same air, uh, even if it's been deteriorated here and there for whatever reason. But basically, with, with different languages and culture today, we look at the same stars that... Uh, our ancestors did you know same moon same human eyes as our ancestors and we'll kind of tie this all up in the second half of the podcast well i mean this is a great little metaphor for suggesting that uh, if you are struggling if you're really feeling it if you're resistant to somebody saying hey this is what's going on uh in the world if you're worried, if you fear the future, all those things, and you're not moving and you're not breathing, 
I can guarantee you that breathing and moving will make you feel better, maybe a lot better. And you don't have to be an athlete. So this is the part where I talk about BU Enterprises. Juliet from BU is on a mission to help people through this portal, modern technology that uses Zoom or or some other kind of uh, communications technology to basically give you some pointers on how to move and how to breathe and they can do your whole community they can do your whole work community a family friends departments uh, corporate clients and things of that nature and i you've heard me talk about it and they're soon going to be start doing actual classes uh with uh, things like tai chi and various kinds of yoga ashtanga or astanga i don't know how you pronounce it i forgot and others, they're, they're getting some teachers and putting together, finding some spots so they can do some virtual classes, or I guess I would call that a virtual class. I don't know if that actually is what a virtual class is. I think what they're doing is virtual classes online. These are like real human beings uh, where you go and you're part of a real human being uh, you know, component. And to, to, to wit, I would just like to say one of the things that I miss most about being on the road is my daily two times a day yoga practice which really made a difference in my life and i think it's one of the reasons that i got to where i am and that i can feel the things that i feel is the development from yoga that's kind of an extreme case but i'm telling you the breathing that the and the stuff that bu does will help you check them out online at buenterprises.com or click on their banner at the top of the page at the bobdavispodcast.com I, th- I think I've probably made a point pretty well that we live in a, in a very complex society. So the ancient would find it impossible to understand this world that we're living in. We don't even understand it, but, but they really wouldn't understand it. And I think also, going back the other way, I, just, I think it would be very difficult for, for us to go back in time more than a, maybe 100 years because... I, I don't think we would uh, we'd be confronted with sights and smells and customs and mores and things that that we don't even know existed in Roman times or further back. So for us to go back to the era of the caveman would be quite an experience indeed because I don't I think it would be hard for us to understand. The one touchstone that we do share is of course the moon and the stars pretty much. And I think you know, we understand the ancient mind because we were raised from it. It's part of us. It's part of our DNA, so to speak. Even with all of our possessions and wealth, even the poor man today has access, immediate access to knowledge and tools and ideas our ancestors could not even imagine. But I think most of us, and I think it's fair to say that most of us complain. We feel lack. We look upon the future in dread. We scrabble and fight for more abundance forever against nature, against history. We are trying to maintain or grow a standard of living. And that's what the old guys were doing. That's what the ancients were doing. It just was, they had to do it by discovering fire. (laughs) We already have that. To the point where a fire is like, you know, sort of an antique pleasure, for the lack of a, a better term. And I think it is interesting that when you consider all that we have, we still complain and feel lack and, and so forth. So when you think about ideas like economics and predicting cycles of econ- economics and the like, because it has such a strong impact on people's lives, this piece of paper we call the dollar, sometimes people react negatively to bad news 
or what they consider bad news because we don't like change. I don't, and I don't think human beings have liked change from day one. It has to be forced upon us. We, in other words, it's usually something we have to react to and uh, rather than plan for. Let's just put it that way. Here's the thing. It's only been 40 years since we were able to look on the Earth through a picture that they took on the moon so we, we can see what the Earth looks like from the moon. I mean, I had to think about that. I had to actually count about 40, I guess it's 40 years. It's only 70 or 80 years, let's just say, since the atom was split and about 100 since uh, electric uh, electricity and radio became common. And those generations, just three or four generations ago, maybe, those generations gazed on the automobile, airplanes, radio, things like that as a wonder, something that you would fear. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I often tell the story about uh, my grandmother did not get a washing machine, a washing machine until 1950. She washed on a washboard. And she wasn't young when she got the washing machine. And at, those, at that time, you, it was an electric washing machine, so you plugged it in, and it didn't have anything other than an agitator. And you plugged it in, and you washed your clothes in the agitator, and then uh, you pulled them out one by one because there was no spin cycle, and you had to run through this thing that looked like two um, rolling pins. To, and and you, you put your foot on a, on a pedal, and it would clamp down on the clothes, and then you would run them through, and that sucked all the water out of them. And you ha I watched her do it. She had to run, she had to run the clothes through tw two or three times. Then she would hang them all up. And then when it was time to fold everything up, she got up, she got up the starch, she put the starch in the bottle, she shook it up, and she would spray the starch onto the clothes and heat this giant oven, uh, uh, iron up, and then she would, you know, the iron didn't have steam, so she had to use the water to get, you know, to, uh, and she would have the sheets, when we went to grandma's house, the sheets were like cardboard. They were so starched and folded. They were, they had little squares where she'd folded them. I mean, she knew how to do all that stuff. And that's what she did. And, you know, they had, housekeepers had days when things had to be done. You had to take a whole day to do the, it wasn't, you put, didn't put the laundry in the washing machine and go to work. You know, you, and dry them when you got home. You, you had to take all day to, that was the work. You had to take all day to do the laundry. It took all day. When I would go to grandma's house, I'd get up on such and such a day, and that was the day when she did the laundry. And then the next day, that was the day she went to the store to get all the food and stuff. And that, that was a modern, that was modern life in 1950. So you can see, if you go back and look at the kitschy uh, ads and stuff, and the pictures of uh, Betty White and so forth with the refrigerators and the amazing, you know, type of stuff and, and all the game shows where they gave these things away to the quote-unquote housewife. These were, these were every bit as important to, to giving these women, and they were, you know, it was women, freedom to do what they wanted to do because they didn't have to uh, go get ice for the ice box or go pay the ice man to come in and put the ice in the ice box because they had an actual refrigerator and on and on and on or a gas stove instead of having to go out and get coal to put in the, the stove. And people did that through the 30s. 
And we just don't think about that today because everything is quote unquote easy. We have our own things that are hard. But here's the thing again, things break, mistakes are made. Sometimes fools and knaves make it to the highest level. Some would have you believe that uh, it's always fools and knaves, and maybe they're right, that become leaders. And then those people make mistakes and wreak havoc. Sometimes it's the purest heart of person that goes somewhere, becomes a leader, and makes mistakes and wreaks havoc. But every now and then, I mean, just, just saying, especially in democracies, you get somebody who rises to a higher octave and, and leads all of us to a higher octave. So when things go bad, and when I talk about economics, you know, it's not like I think I'm trying to predict that things are going to go bad. It's, it's, I'm trying to give you the benefit of what I've learned, which isn't much, to say, look out for this. And I don't take it positively or negatively. I see positives in in contractions, and I see positives in expansions. They're different things. Different. They have different results and different effects. But what do we do when things go bad? We sink to our knees and turn our eyes to the heavens and wail, what have I done to deserve this? That's what my mom used to say about me. What have I done to deserve you? <laughs> just like our ancestors. They, they fell to their knees and prayed or raged at the heavens. And then what happens? Well, sooner or later, as human beings, we pick up the pieces and we start over and we begin the striving again. We strive to survive, to build, to create family, clan, tribe, community, region, nation, because that's what we do as human beings. And these celebrations that occur at various times in the year, whether it's the summer, the spring, the winter, the fall, serve a social purpose. They give us strength and hope. Even when we know all we need to know about the history of these events, when it comes to DNA, when it comes to our ancestors, when it comes to this thing that resonates very deeply with us as human beings, the one that really resonates is the celebration of the return of the light on the darkest days. And even though the dark days cause and herald the arrival of winter uh, in the Northern Hemisphere, and then they have a different celebration as well than we do in the Southern Hemisphere, these days also contain the seeds of the future spring. And there is a celebration for the return of life the fecundity of life the you know but the but the winter celebration is a, a little bit of a hint the light will return that is to say yeah it's a tough time and it might get tougher but we all have to remember to be grateful for what we have now maybe go hungry a day maybe don't eat a meal at noon maybe just say you know what i'm happy that i i am grateful for what i have it's hard it's hard for me i strive i want i desire i uh you know as though i'm some saint it's even difficult for me the saint no <laughs> but i'm just saying as a human being i have needs and wants and desires and things that you know you're out here and you see these four hundred thousand dollar rigs and you want one or you don't want one and you know you i mean i don't want one I'm just saying 
oh, that would be so great, or, or whatever. I find that I work hard to, uh, to or sh- I should say when I work hard to be grateful, I'm in a much better state of mind, and I'm in a better state of mind to help, and I'm in a better state of mind to be helped. Often I fall down on those, uh, those ideas, but still, when I can be grateful, it's a good place to be. So we all need at this time of the year to remember to be grateful for what we have. So I will say it once. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas season, and that means people are out and they're doing stuff. Stop by 36 Lynn, the independently owned and operated refueling station at 36th Street South and Lindale Avenue South in Minneapolis because the little tiny store that they have is actually getting famous for all kinds of locally sourced products. They got great food. They've got great to-go food. They've got great candy, great coffee, and they're nuts. Check out their Instagram feed at 36 Lynn on uh, Instagram, and uh, they're down with the community. They do a lot of stuff in those summer months when we're celebrating summer. 36 Lynn, again, thanks you guys for sponsoring Bob Davis Podcasts. Yeah, I felt like I had to come back with, hey, you know, this too shall pass after podcast 1079. But I, I have to do those regularly because I'm really on it. I'm really watching and, and, and trying to observe what happens because I'm fascinated with the process we're going through right now. But we get a, we get a tendency to uh, really not we, we're in that we really forget sometimes that we're a long, we're part of a long line of human beings going back perhaps millions of years. So we have to understand that this time isn't encased in a piece of crystal and to forever repeat it in that sense. This is uh, this this is uh, a, a time we have arrived at this time on on, on, uh, on a journey that started millions of years ago. Thanks for listening to podcast one thousand eighty, the Bob Davis podcasts. <sighs> we were born before the wind, also younger than the sun. Yeah, the bonnie boat was one as we sail into the mystic. Hark now hear the sailors cry. Smell the sea and feel the sky. Let your soul and spirit fly into the mystic. Where that foghorn blows I will be coming home mm-hmm. Yeah, when the foghorn blows I wanna hear it I don't